I believe a cabal of secret societies has controlled the world for 200 plus years, and we get to be alive at a time to see it fall. I believe in the power of one person working as a team with other Christian patriots can have massive impact in reversing this ungodly culture. I believe that we have an omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent God that has put his hand on this moment in time to deny the timeline of the enemy and is about to heal our land. This is Rick, your host, and I believe that God has called me to empower Christian patriots with truth. Join us now for the Blessed Teach Show, and let's see what God is doing today. wiped out my debilitating pain in less than 30 seconds with zero drugs. Pastor Dave and hundreds of others have experienced the quantum effect for themselves. It's backed by scientific research and rigorous lab testing. Quantum is simply about two things. Number one, intentions, as a man thinketh, so he is. And two, renewing your mind with the Word of God. Only QE Strong encodes key intentions and Bible verses about pain relief onto the small patch. You simply place it on your body each day. And with a bonus prayer guide, read out loud a positive intention and one or two Bible verses about pain relief each day. The patch provides the touch, and the prayer guide uses your sight, speech, and hearing to relieve pain with the senses God gave you. It even works for people who have suffered decades of chronic pain. Are you ready to experience the quantum effect? Go to blessed2teach.com forward slash pain. It's Rick here in Miami at the Reawaken Tour, and I got Alex Stone here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Rick, thank you so much for having me. I always love seeing you. Love it. Always love, you know, watching your show. Obviously, I clip your show for you, uh, and I get I'm able to just you know learn more about Scripture, learn more about what is actually going on in the world today. I'm very happy about it. I'm the host of a Stonewall's Perspective, and I'm on a mission to spread the light of the gospel into every aspect of life. And yes, I did say every, including the things that people do not like to discuss, such as politics. I started when I was 15. I'm 19 now, so do the math. I originally I, I started as a Facebook page to share the gospel and, it, and after a month of doing so I started my podcast to go with it it went seven episodes which is actually the average lifetime of a podcast I don't know if you knew that or not but it's only seven episodes well mine stopped at seven episodes and COVID-19 happened I was very bored in my mother's basement had nothing better to do with my life so I started my podcast to go uh, to just do it again and uh, it's brought me 
to cool places such as this tour. I've been able to go to uh, the Mike Lindell Moment of Truth Summit where we met. I've uh, been able to interview people such as Roger Stone, who I just got off an inter interview with. He calls me his nephew. Last name Stone. We're not related at all, but he likes me enough to uh, have adopted me as his nephew. Uh, I've interviewed General Flynn. I've interviewed Carrie uh, Lake, the governor of Missouri, many other people. Um, and really all of it is to spread the light of the gospel in every aspect of life, even politics. I love the Holy Spirit. I love God. I love seeing how he moves. And one of the biggest things that I love uh, is something called the Seven Mountain Mandate, how we're supposed to go to each of the seven different mountains of influence and take the gospel there. All right. And that and, and to spread the light of the gospel in every aspect of life, that's really my spin on it, my, my take on it, my um, how I've really kind of made it my own uh, for my show. And uh, I've been able to reach over 400,000 people with the gospel just with doing podcasting and like I want to be unashamed of the gospel Romans 1.16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God into salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek that's our calling as Christians to be unashamed of the gospel yet so many people are cowards they're pansies they don't actually stand up for anything they're, they're pastors who will uh, only preach on, on how to get wealthy and, and there's nothing wrong with that but if that's the only thing you're preaching if you're not preaching righteousness if you're not preaching against sin there's a problem mm -hmm. and and I just recently became a youth pastor, and I'm going to do everything that is within my being to preach righteousness and preach it in love and not sugarcoat the gospel, which is what is happening. Right now, what we see is the church leaving the scene. As the church goes, so goes the nation. We are where we are today because the church has left the scene, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, that's a big part problem. We've talked about that a lot, where uh, the average evangelical church uh, is a 501c3, and um, there's 501c3 churches out there that are good that are fighting but there's ones that just bow down to the Johnson amendment right? right as you know that says you can't talk about politics so that's a that's a that's a big shame that we have so it's really cool to see your podcast grow and you just for uh, general Flynn even came and found you um, and so that's kind of cool to see general Flynn and Roger Stone really wanting to make sure because there's like probably I don't know 50 50 media here yeah and uh, they seek out Alex <laughs> so <laughs> number one you know, we have a 19-year-old really standing up, and that's a, that's a, that's unique. And, and we just we need to really reach this younger generation. So uh, I know you're going to, to a Bible college now, but so what are some of the things that so, some of the some of the things that you've seen can seem been breakthroughs at all lately? With yeah, some of the young no, generation? for sure. I I, I think uh, first of all, I'll say this: I believe that there is a very strong anointing on young people, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about any young person in general. Mm -hmm. God anoints those who are younger, and it's biblical. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at the fact that Jesus 12 chose 12 disciples who were just happened to be young. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Dave, King David, he was the youngest of his brothers. He was anointed to be the next king, and he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. Mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, the, uh, King Darius, he was young as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I could go on and on. And then also biblical, there's those biblical ex examples, and then there's others that are not biblical in nature, but uh, such as the founding of our nation. Mm -hmm. Like, 
like th those were a bunch of teenagers, 20s and early 30s year olds. The only one who was in his 60s or 70s was uh, Benjamin Benjamin uh, Franklin. Mm -hmm. um, God has anointed young people, especially in this day and age. There's myself here. There's Shannon from the Young Patriot here. I, I just he learned just about 13. <laughs> I just learned about another 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 11 year old who's who's here doing podcast stuff. God is using my generation and and those after me mm -hmm. to make a difference and I think it's amazing yeah it's gonna change the hearts I think also of these different groups of people right that they say are lost right so remember we got a sophisticated plot by this Rockefeller education right this that, that, that where they've taken the mountain of education right to try to brainwash early right and uh, obviously all the way from cartoons up now but uh, God God breaks anything you know right so it's like <laughs> and so that's what that's what's so cool we have a lot of prophetic words that come from like Mary Crowley and others that are talking about the LGBT community even being being broken, right? So, I mean, that, that there's going to be a lot of on-fire mm -hmm. Christians. So I'm no, looking I, so forward to this great exodus. I, I, I want to speak yeah. to that. So yeah. uh, did you see the Jesus Revolution movie? Yeah. Uh -huh. So obviously we know what that is, the hippie movement. When they were searching, they were searching for truth, right? Mm -hmm. They they were they, they tried to find it through, through uh, psychedelics, drugs, that kind of stuff. But then they found truth in Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think something has switched. People are no longer looking for truth. They're looking for love. Mm -hmm. uh, hence the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. They're looking for love in all the wrong areas. <laughs> love is love, etc., etc. Uh, when in reality... I almost broke on a song there. Yeah. <laughs> song there. <laughs> well, well, they're, they're looking for love in all the wrong areas. And the church is not showing it to them. Mm -hmm. and that's a problem. Anyone who, who like, take Pride Month, for example, mm -hmm. right? No one in the history of ever has ever gotten saved because of street sign picketers at Pride Month. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't think that happens. But if we show people the love of God, mm -hmm. they will know that we are... That's the greatest apologetic. Mm -hmm. Is that how we love? Jesus said it himself. They will know you are my followers by the way that you love. Mm -hmm. And we have not loved people well. And no wonder why people are turning away from Christianity. Because we don't love. Mm -hmm. and so our calling is to preach righteousness, but preach it in love. Preach, preach truth in love. That's my calling. That's what I do on my show. And, I've, uh, you know, I used to have a rhetoric where I was very hateful, very rude. And I've publicly repented of that. I've said, you know, I'm sorry. I've said things that are just not right mm -hmm. and wrong. And, and and, and I want to love people better, and 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 I'm sharing truth in a loving way. Yeah, and that's and that's uh, no, I appreciate you. There's a that fine line between what I call you know the arrogance versus, right. versus confidence, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you always have to that like like uh, manage that. But it's just so cool that you're a good example of somebody that's uh, that's that's uh, in the Word of God, and then 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 coming out boldly on a podcast. So I would I would just challenge anybody that's listening to this that's thinking about doing a podcast no matter what your age yeah um it is so cool how many new podcasters i meet at every one of these events i've been to almost all but three of them i think yeah. and it's like i meet new broadcasters yes. and they're and almost and you know there's one thing they have in common here is almost all of them are fire for christ right so i think Amen. the lord is have you seen that this, yes this, i have yeah. oh for sure for yeah. sure I, I see it all over the place i mean obviously yeah. yourself mm -hmm. the people at brighton they love jesus so much mm -hmm. um anna kate she's a 
good friend of mine. She loves the Lord yeah. so much, so spirit-filled. Yeah. Amanda Grace, Julie Green, etc. Marty Grisham. Mm-hmm. You know, we could go on and on with people that are so on fire for the Lord. Uh, not only you know who are on the stage and in media, but also the people in the crowd. They love Jesus and they love our country, and that's why they're showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God's going to be using it in a mighty way here, Certainly. as He uses the body of Christ as we come mm-hmm. in alignment with the head, which is Jesus. Right? Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that is awesome. Is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? No, I think that's it mm-hmm. for uh, for today. I, I just, man, I, I want people to preach the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Guys, go find my show, A Stonewall's Perspective. You can, uh, A Stonewall's Perspective. You can find it on Rumble, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Also, follow me on uh, Truth Social, A underscore Stonewall. A underscore Stonewall. Yes, sir. On Truth Social, yeah. And then that red Stonewall's, say, say the podcast. Again. A Stonewall's Perspective. A Stonewall's Perspective. Yes, that's sir. right. Awesome. With that, hey, we always want to end by these patriots praying for you so anything specific that's on your heart now that do you need prayer for i'm working five jobs this summer wow pray for energy pray for peace okay (laughs) all right let me lift you up real quick heavenly father just thank you so much for alex and then i just pray that you continue to to use him in the way that you are but amplify and then give it encourage let let him see other uh, awesome people near his age group to start to be woken up by his show and new shows being created as we see this this tide that just raises all boats as more and more citizen journals come onto the scene, yes, Lord. Um, we just uh, lift him up as far as uh, protection around he, his family, as he goes through this, because he's talking truth, and, then, and Satan does not like that, Lord. But we repel Satan in the mighty name of Jesus around his life, Lord. And we just give him the energy, give him the wisdom um, as he moves forward for this summer, as he's able to do these jobs and be honor you with everything he's doing. And I know that's what his heart is, uh, Lord. And just uh, allow allow him yes, to have, make his path completely straight as he submits to you as clay as you are the potter lord you are the one that makes us our path straight as we just yes. submit everything to you we love you we're going to trust in you with all our heart when we say these things in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 rick thank you so much for having me yeah. uh you know the first time you ever interviewed you me you accidentally called me andrew <laughs> and i'm glad you don't do that anymore that's right you got you got got your name down and you got to, all right god bless you there we go signing off from uh, thank you guys Miami. Bye-bye. Twitter permanently suspending MyPillow CEO and Trump ally Mike Lindell. A number of companies who have decided to stop selling MyPillow products. And they're attacking not only MyPillow, many other companies out there, but they're attacking my vendors. The CEO of MyPillow has been named in a $1.3 billion defamation suit. MyPillow just sued Dominion for $1.6 billion. <laughs> divine appointments, divine intervention in there, and and uh, my faith is what kept me going all those uh, years. And the bigger platform is my evangelism and, uh, and speaking about God, having the same passion with God, getting to God as I do the pillow. We have the B2T promo code for, and I was telling the him. biggest savings in history for my pillow, everybody. Use that code. <laughs> yeah. Rick here at the Blessed Teach Show in Miami at the Reawaken Tour. We've got one Glenn Baker here, singer-songwriter. How awesome. Singer-songwriter. <laughs> All right. Tell us a little bit about your story. Oh, my how, God. How in the heck did you come to be at the Reawaken Tour? The Reawaken, <laughs> well, the Reawaken Tour is real simple for me. I live in Fort Lauderdale, right. so it's just a hop, skip, and a jump. But um, it came about from um, me coming back into the music industry about three and a half years ago yeah. after being out for 17 years. Wow. 
Wow. That doesn't happen very often. No, and I wouldn't recommend the way I did it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my background is Southern Gospel. So from 93, I got home from Desert Storm in 091 and uh, felt God had a calling on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, just looked and searched and looked. And, and I'd had a little bit of a... Um, I'd had a little bit of a talent in singing uh, when I was younger, mm-hmm. and so I started using that, and I put together a Southern Gospel Quartet in 93, and we traveled the Midwest, and mm-hmm. did okay, did pretty well, uh-huh. um, until 03, and I was going through some marital struggles at the time, and as a Southern Baptist, you don't do that. Yeah, it's hard. So I shut that down, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't think I'd ever sing again, and 05 was going through a divorce, mm-hmm. and I ended up out here in Florida shortly after that. Mm-hmm. So uh, life changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of went off wild for a while mm-hmm. and kind of mad at God to be honest with you mm-hmm. you know I'd been married 19 years wow. and uh, through some things that had taken place it just wasn't going to happen and um, so it went a little wild kind of went wild God allowed that for a while mm-hmm. then he's like yeah come on back okay here's some discipline for you <laughs> yeah yeah started pulling me back in and you know there was a time when I remember him saying you need to surrender to me and I'm like no if I do that I'm going to lose this and uh-huh. you know a little bit of rebellion mm-hmm um, in 2012, I'd left Florida to go to North Carolina for, uh, I'd had a chance to buy a log home mill. Mm-hmm. So I was building log homes for a couple of years in North Carolina. In 14, there was a contractor that felt like he needed the logs more than he needed to pay me, mm-hmm. uh, about 35 grand. So I ended up turning that back to the original owner, um, who'd made some pretty good money. He'd made more than I had mm-hmm. during that time. And I handed him a couple of clients that I'd gotten pre-approved to build. Mm-hmm. And I walked away from it. Came back here, rebuilt my life insurance agency. Um, so that went around for about three years. Things were pretty good. My agency was building. And in 2017, I got a knock on my door. Mm-hmm. And there was 10 cops and a SWAT team there. Wow. Yep. And uh, they said, are you Glenn Baker? And I said, yes, I am. And uh, they said, well, step outside if you don't mind. We've got a question for you or two. Mm-hmm. And I did. And within moments, I was against the wall and handcuffed. Wow. Yeah. Um, almost laughing. I was looking for the uh, uh, candid camera. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And there was no candid camera. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, what am I arrested for? And they said, well, we don't know. It's a, uh, it's an out-of-state warrant. And that's all they could tell me. Mm-hmm. And for 23 days, I was in Broward County Jail not knowing why I'd been arrested. Broward County. That's a, that's not a real uh, Not a nice place, place to visit. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, I did see a judge on the eighth day mm-hmm. and had gotten a court order for them to open my phone because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't give me my phone to even get any numbers out of so nobody knew where I was at. Oh my goodness. Uh, but by the ninth day when the court order was served they wouldn't they wouldn't allow it because they, my phone was dead and they wouldn't charge it. Mm-hmm. So for 23 days no one knew where I was at. Oh my goodness. Kids thought I'd died. Yeah, my buddies thought I was de- dead, and uh, then I got transferred to North Carolina, mm-hmm. to a jail in Salisbury, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The night I got there, I got to read what was the charge was, and then I knew what had happened. That's just not right, number one. And, mm-hmm. but, but you don't even know what you're being charged no. for. That's just crazy. But no. So that night I, I knew, and the next day I saw an attorney and mm-hmm. saw the discovery, and it was the former partner 
that I had turned that business back to had embezzled $22,000 from a client that I had given him. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, this is where it's really bad because his former partner was a retired pastor, 49 years in the pulpit, 25 years on TV. Hmm. And uh, his son-in-law was a state representative. So I was just a Noki, <laughs> you know, just a country boy. I was another 51 days in that jail. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. Um, the week before I got out, I caught an infection. It was not medically treated. The day before I got out, I was told by my attorney, you're going to be here probably another year and a half. They don't have any evidence that you've done anything, but they're not going to be ready to let you go, and uh, they're not going to give you a plea bargain. Probably be about six months. If you plead not guilty, you'll be here another year waiting on a trial. And so I called my sister. I had her number at that point, and I said, listen, call him. Tell him we want the name of the DA and the number, and we'll go directly to him on a three-way call. Uh-huh. And the next day, they let me out on my signature. Really? Now, yeah. How in the heck did that happen? I have no idea. That's a, <laughs> there's a god thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's even deeper than that, because I got on a, on a train that day, came back to Fort Lauderdale. I'd lost my home. Mm-hmm. I'd lost my car. 80% of my business was gone because financial services, mm-hmm. all it takes is an accusation. Right. If you're not vested, then you can be cut. Mm-hmm. So I was cut, charged back $150,000 from two different companies total. And uh, the night after I got home, the infection that I had had went into my eye and it destroyed my cornea and completely blinded me in my right eye. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh So for six months, I was completely blind. Uh, The VA gave me a cornea transplant at that point. Uh That's a year recovery. So Mm -hmm. uh, long recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, for a long time, I didn't care whether I lived or died. Not bad. For about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in July of 18, a buddy of mine from Oklahoma called and said, hey, I'm in town. I want to take you to dinner. Mm-hmm. And so I said, man, that's great. Let's go. We went to dinner, and there was a live band playing there that night. Mm-hmm. And they were playing 80s rock. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in 17 years, I was singing. Did they call you up there to sing or something? <laughs> no. They brought the microphone to me. Oh, wow. And when that little lead singer handed it to me, I just went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Immediately, I knew what I was supposed to do. Uh-huh. And uh, for about a year, I worked on my voice because it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. You don't use it, it atrophies. Right. And started going with this band. And I would sing a song or two or three with them every every week. Uh-huh. And I started then at that point putting a band together and... In uh, 2020, our first out breaking out performance was scheduled for March the 28th, 2020. Mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale shut the doors March the 23rd, 2020. So I'm like, God, what's going on? You know. Um, but what he did was allowed that to take place in my life and everybody else's life. But he he led me to Nashville, where I was writing music, mm-hmm. got a chance to record with an amazing producer, mm-hmm. um, an amazing songwriter. We wrote some stuff together, have music videos that are as good as anything Mm -hmm. out there. The guy in Nashville does some of the top guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, he put me in this battle then. Mm -hmm. So my first release is a song called Freedom Mm -hmm. because my freedom was taken away. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Did you ever find out... Why, who, what vendetta was against you? I don't think there was a vendetta. I think he got caught 
and he just blamed somebody. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, what, what, what injustice, though, to get to, for that, all that to have to happen. Yeah, to, to and it took three years before they dismissed it with prejudice. Wow. So, And it, it, like I said, it could have destroyed me. But here's the thing. God is not surprised by what happens to us. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't like I, I said from jail. I said, God, I'm in jail. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh-huh. So he gave me he gave me the word. And the word that I hung on while I was in that 8 by 12, 23 hours a day for 73 days was... I've got a plan for you, and it's to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan for a hope and a future. And his word says that I will take what's meant for bad, mm-hmm. and I will turn it to good mm-hmm. if you trust me. Mm-hmm. And is that, um, was it, did you actually have access to a Bible? Or no, were, that was you, all memory? word that I knew. So it's good, uh, there good was a lot of other words. Good thing you put your word in your heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was so important. I wish I had put cell phone numbers in my heart yeah, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. could have called somebody. <laughs> yeah. But the word was so important, and it kept me sane. Right. Yeah, so that you, you're, you, you have access to a, a phone call, but you didn't have any numbers. <laughs> had no numbers. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous that they wouldn't give you your phone. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a lesson learned there. I'm not sure how you handle that in the future. But it's like, well, I guess you got to memorize numbers, and I've got one or two now that I, I think I'll always remember. Right. But you know, when we were kids, we all knew numbers. Right. Well, we don't have to. It's a smartphone. Exactly. A smartphone that makes us dumb. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell us about some of the lyrics and songs you're writing nowadays? Well, um, my last release is a song called No New Normal. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll probably figure already out what that is. Yeah, um, yeah the new normal yeah, they want to bring us to, right? Absolutely, and, and the first time they said, well, the first time I heard Pandemic, mm-hmm. I knew we were in trouble. Right. Because my eyes had been open from the jail thing. I started right. researching and studying. Right. I'm, a, I'm a veteran of Desert Storm, so I was trained to, um, to follow orders and to believe the government had my best interest at heart. Right. But when they jailed me for for no reason, I had no access to anything. Mm-hmm. I realized something wasn't right. Yeah. So I started no, researching and studying that. Um, so when that took place, then it just kind of opened my eyes. So I woke up, and the, the word, actually the lyric is, I woke up this morning and looked out the door to a country I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. They put masks on our face to hide our pain, and there's no fire in most people's eyes. Wow. We can't go to church to worship God, but we can loot and riot and steal. Mm-hmm. There's those at the top that are twisting their knobs, and, man, it's making me pretty ill. So mm-hmm. it just came to me in a matter of 15 minutes, our, God gave me that song. Wow, wow. So... So where, where do people find the songs? What's the you best can, place? You can go to YouTube, Glenn Baker Band, and there you'll find Freedom. You'll find No New Normal. We did a recut of an old 80s song by the Bus Boys called The Boys Are Back in Town, mm-hmm. making fun of the mask mandate. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, got a brand new song coming out in about eight weeks called Soldier Strong, Soldier and we're song. building a tour around that. Awesome. Um, did a show with General Flynn about a year and a half ago, raising money for an organization that puts exoskeletons on paralyzed veterans so they can walk again. Awesome. Blew my mind. I'll never be the same. Mm-hmm. I saw a veteran that had been paralyzed for seven years in Afghanistan stand up and walk around the room telling us he's going to get a chance to walk his daughter down the aisle. He can reach the top shelf for his wife. He feels like a man again. And I was in the corner 
crying like a big tear stripping out my beard, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So we That's wrote awesome. a song and we're dedicating that to them. Oh, good. So Glenn Baker Band. Glenn Baker Band on YouTube. Hashtag, hashtag Glenn. No, let me start over. Hashtag the Glenn Baker Band on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Get a hold of me. I'll answer you. Glenn Baker Band. Yep. They want to find it. Yep. Right? Uh, Two ends. Don't do not do one end. You'll yeah. find an Irish dude over in Europe. Yeah, yeah. So you said you wanted to, I know you just said some of the lyrics for one of the songs. Do you want to, do you mind singing like the, maybe the chorus of a, of a one of a song? Sure. I'll, how about the one that's, oh, y'all want the one that's getting ready to come out? Nobody's heard this yet. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so let me, let me do it this way. Um, so this song is about two young guys that meet standing in line at the MEP station. If you've been in the military, you know the MEP station. Mm-hmm. Um, raise their hand, sign a dotted line, jump up on a bus, laughing, cussing, talking about the girls they love. Mm-hmm. They go to training. They become best buddies. Uh, they make a pact. They're going to be there, you know, for each other forever. And uh, they're out shining their boots. Now, what hurt my soul, if you're a veteran, my I'm 55 years old. What hurt my soul is when I found out the Army doesn't shine boots anymore. Uh-huh. After I wrote that song, and they, the Army doesn't shine boots. But we left it in there because I'm just stubborn like that. Right. <laughs> awesome. Before it hit the news, no clue what they were about to do. Third verse, y'all, the raid was hot. Mm-hmm. Steel fell like rain. He saw the blood on his buddy's face, and he fell down right where he lay he took his hand looked in his eyes pulled him close said this ain't goodbye the last words he spoke never left his mind fear not you won't be alone i've still got your back no matter where you go stand up remember where you're from you're not close to dawn it's time to roll so go on and finish this fight soldier strong Soldier Strong. All right. Yeah. I love it. So look up Glenn Beck. I mean, not, not Glenn Beck. Oh, I hear Glenn Beck all the time. Glenn Baker. Glenn Baker uh, Band. Glenn Baker Band. So, hey, we want to end with um, these Christian patriots that like to pray for people. So Absolutely. What can they pray for Glenn Baker? Woo. Well, you know what? God's raising up warriors all across this nation, mm-hmm. and I feel honored to be a part of the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a battle. Mm-hmm. We got a battle. So here's what I would have you pray for: This Soldier Strong song mm-hmm. is coming out. We're working with—I um, can't even tell you who—but it's it's a very large company mm-hmm. about funding this on the front end. My goal is to put a hundred exoskeletons mm-hmm. on paralyzed veterans next year. Awesome. That's fifteen million dollars. Wow! Mm-hmm. Now I'm the baby. Act. I'm not a superstar. Y'all don't know me in Nashville. I'm a God's warrior. I'm not a big deal in Nashville mm-hmm. at this point. So I put people in front of me. Mm-hmm. But my prayer that I would ask for prayer for is for God to guide us to the right people, mm-hmm. to open the right doors so that we can honor him. Because here's the thing. This is not just about soldiers. This is also about bringing us together as a country mm-hmm. and glorifying and honoring God at the same time. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. Do you mind if I pray for you now? No, I wish you would. All right. Heavenly Father, uh, they thank you so much for Glenn Baker and what he's doing here. Thank you for for bringing him back into the fold and allowing him to be able to use his talents exactly the way you designed him. Lord, allow his voice to just continue to be just powerful and strong. Give him the ideas for his songs and allow him to just have new songs that come from you, Lord. 
and uh, he's prayed specifically for this this uh, new song about the the, the soldiers. The, what was the song? Soldier strong. Soldier, soldier strong, Lord. So we we just pray that you would lift that up. You allow more people to hear than he, he could even ask or imagine, Lord. That that just uh, amplify that song like man, amplify his voice like never before. And Lord, as he's asked, uh, bring him to the right people to lead him to the right places so he can actually achieve the vision of giving all these different exoskeletons to these so, these vets, Lord. Thank you for his service. Allow this to mean something for this country. May all the veterans be blessed by the restoration of this country, Lord. And may you use people like uh, like, like Glenn Baker here to take back the whole mountain of arts and entertainment that's been stolen by the enemy. Yeah. Lord, uh, may you clean out Nashville by the name of Jesus of those who are there for the wrong reasons and not doing uh, God's work in that industry, Lord. Bring in the remnant into that industry, into the, the in, into the whole country movement in Nashville, Lord. And that, and that includes all nationwide for other music genres, Lord. We thank you for that. Use Glenn Baker in a mighty way for your kingdom. We love you and we say these things in Jesus. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. God bless you. All right, we're saying uh, goodbye from uh, signing off from Miami. All right, it's Rick here with Blessed Teach in Miami at the Reawaken Tour. I got Michelle Peterson with from Chicago here is fighting sex trafficking as a personal story that I just would love to get out there. Uh, Michelle, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yes. Yeah, I know it's a loud room in here, so I'm it is it loud. Right okay. Yeah, but if you wouldn't mind um, just telling a little bit about your story with uh, Andrew. Yes. And uh, how, that's uh, crazy stuff, but go ahead. Sure, so my son Andrew in 2010 was a sophomore in high school. So in May of 2010, um, he was texting a teacher um, who's a baseball coach, asking him to help him with a issue that he was having on the baseball team with somebody with a bullying issue. Well, that teacher continued to text him, texted him from May until October, and it turns out that he was texting him and was grooming him. And grooming is where a sexual predator is cultivating a relationship with you know, a victim. And they also cultivate that relationship with the families, with their surroundings, with the community. So in this case, he was cultivating that relationship as well with the school. So the school was completely trusting of this man and he has no other issues or convictions prior to this. But he actually offered my son money for oral sex, offered him 500, 1,000, and then $1,500. Also wanted to make a sex video with him and would refer to his penis as my little guy. Am I ever gonna get to see the little guy, this sort of thing. Wow. And so being that my son was 15, going on 16, I would take his phone all the time. Right. I would look through it, um, look at the websites he was going to, the, the text messages, things like that. Never once saw any one of these messages. And it turns out that there were 6,000 messages between May and October. And so they were hiding him somehow. So he would get the message and he would delete it because he knew that I was taking his phone. Right. And he was embarrassed, didn't want any of this to come out. You know, so... That's, that's what was happening at the time. And my son was very kind of happy-go-lucky, very kind-hearted. Um, I always say he was the perfect victim because he was he was kind-hearted. He would listen to anybody, you know, and help anybody and that sort of thing. And this teacher preyed upon that. And I overheard a conversation in October of that year. And what he said um, was that, you know, he was annoyed with the, whoever he was talking to on the phone. He said, you know, I don't know how often you want me to call you. You know that I'm working two jobs and I'm taking a class at the college. So he was a, he was a junior at this time, taking a class in college. And this, so this is two years of him grooming him before this happened, right? No, this was 
um, in one year, it was in, in 2010, so it was okay. May to October. So okay. this is the conversation I overheard at night. And then I heard him say, well, I'll meet you in your classroom tomorrow to pick up those paintballs, and my heart just sunk. Like, I just had that gut feeling. And if there's one thing I can say to these parents is go with your gut feeling. Like, if you know or feel there's something wrong, there's probably something wrong, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So I knocked on the door, I went in, I asked him who he was speaking with, and he told me, the teacher, and I said, why is he calling you at 10.30 at night on a Sunday? Like, yeah. he said that he was driving home from a, watching a Bears game with some friends and was getting tired. I'm like, again, why is he calling you? I'm like, that's completely inappropriate. You need to hang up the phone. Right. Hangs up the phone. I went straight down to the computer, and I went on to our mobile account and looked at the two numbers, and I was just sick because there were messages all the way back to May, wow. back and forth. You did see him on his phone, that you got him. Right, and you records. can't, and of course, you can't see the messages on the phone, right? You can just right. see the phone numbers back and forth. Right. So I printed off 6, about 6,000. Oh, wow. And I, I printed off about three weeks worth of that, took it to the school the next day, and met with the principal. And I could tell by the principal's face that he also knew that something was not right. And he met with both the teacher and my son. They both denied that there was any wrongdoing, that these were just benign text messages, right? My son, I think, felt at that point that because I knew it was out there, this would just stop. And I think he just wanted it to all go away. But this is when the fighting really started. And I asked the principal at the time, I said, you know, are you going to open up a DCFS investigation? And he said, not at this point. DCFS is? The Department of Children and Family Service. Okay. and that's in the state of Illinois right. and he said he couldn't at that point because he had really nothing to go on because they're both denying any wrongdoing right. but he looked at me in the eye and he goes but you're Andrew's mom you can open up a DCFS investigation anytime you want and so he, he, so he at least wanted to help he told me four times in that conversation right. he said if they need some place to meet they can meet at the school we can open up a conference room for them whatever you need to do right. so at this point I actually hadn't really been going to church a whole lot at the time I had been a Christian my whole life but I'd go into church it just didn't feel right I wasn't getting the message mm -hmm. and the first place I went after meeting with the principal was to the Presbyterian Church in town spoke to a pastor there and told him the story and he said you absolutely need to go after this guy because you you this is somebody's life like you don't know if what you're seeing is real you know what I mean like this couldn't possibly be happening to us you know and it was totally emotional of course and those things that you at this point in time you haven't seen those ugly messages no right you just no. knew it was 6,000 things right. that he was grooming right yeah. so we had no messages at all as far as what he was messaging so I then I waited another week then I reached out to DCFS they're supposed to contact us within 24 hours so six days goes by I don't hear anything and I contacted our local um, office and they said well the, the gal that has that is on her desk but she's on vacation I'm like okay so you just leave it there like nobody takes that so I then contacted the director of DCFS in Illinois and she actually answered the phone I told her what was going on I heard her typing in the background she goes you you reported this six days ago they should have been there the next day I said I understand I said but they haven't she said somebody will be there today and if they're not I want you to call me back so she contacts she contacts um, the local uh, agency and they get a hold of me and they said you know we can't really get there till tomorrow morning we can't free somebody up is tomorrow morning okay like, yes that's fine I'm in the medical field I had to offload some patients anyway so it'd be easier to meet the next day so I called the um, director back and I got her voicemail this time and let her know that they're coming the following day and that was fine with me 
So I get a call from the school 20 minutes later. They said DCFS is on their way. So she must have called them and said, you're going to go today. So free somebody up to get there. Good. And by the time I got there, they already were speaking with my son with a counselor in, a, in an office. My son comes out and he is so angry with me, you know, because he just wanted this to go away. Yeah. And I'm like... I knew that there was a bigger picture to all of this. And the stuff that he was bold enough to text to him, this wasn't the first time. So I went in and met with the investigator and she said, I'm not sure why this is so important that we had to come out today. And she said, it seems like it was just, you know, benign text messaging. And I handed her the, the three weeks worth which of printout of the messages, just the phone numbers, which is about a quarter inch thick. And I handed her, I'm like, this is just three weeks worth. This has been going on from May to October. Yes. And she's like, oh. I said, so it's your job to actually investigate this. And she made me feel so little. Right. And I told her, I said, you know what? This might not be the worst thing you've ever seen, but this is the worst thing that we're going through at this time. And how dare you make me feel bad for calling you? Yeah. So we had that conversation, and I was getting a little irate, you know, at the time. And the, the counselor was like, you know, you need to calm down. I'm like, I am not going to calm down. I said, something needs to get done. So that happens, and then I'm trying to find somebody who can pull the messages off the phone because without those messages, we don't have anything. So I started investigating and find somebody. So I found somebody in Joliet in the next town over, and they were able to, they said, get the messages off the phone. So I turned the phone over to our detective. He takes it to this guy. Now the phone is there as, as evidence. But it was on a Sunday night, and I told Andrew, I said, listen, I found somebody who can get those messages off your phone. I need your phone. And his face just went green. And I'm like, is there something you need to tell me? He goes, I can't tell you. He's like, I will talk to the detective, and I will talk to the principal tomorrow, but I can't tell you. And so... I, this was like 10.30 at night, and I called the principal, and I said, listen, we're going to come in first thing tomorrow, and Andrew is going to come forward and say what was on these messages. So he goes to bed that night. Now, you're, you have all these thoughts going through your head, right? Like, is my kid going to do something to himself? Is he going to harm himself? I didn't sleep the whole night because I was up making sure that he was okay because all of this is going to be coming out. You know, he's 16 years old. So he meets with them for about three hours. The principal comes out and he goes, you were right. He said, we are going to open up our own investigation at this point with DCFS. And so he finally opened up what was in their messages. He did, yeah. yes. Okay. And so the principal said, he goes, Andrew wants to talk to you himself and go through this with you, but I am here all day. And if you need anything, please let me know. Excuse Andrew okay. for the day. So I went back to meet with him after Andrew talked to me. And so he said, you know, what did Andrew tell you? And so I told him, he goes, well, he didn't really tell you the worst part. And that's when he told me about the money being offered for oral sex. Because Andrew didn't tell me that. Um, told me the other stuff, but never told me that. And I was just devastated, obviously, at that point. And, you know, again, we don't know still, like, did he touch him? Did he do anything? I don't know any of that at this point either. And so just trying to wrap Andrew in as much love as I could, you know, and my husband, who is not his father, was walking through this the whole step with us and, and just helping us with everything and, and being there as my support and Andrew's support. And even before we decided to come through with this, Andrew wasn't sure if he wanted to do this, you know, and so... I, I did the same thing the teacher did, right? I pulled on his heartstrings. I said, you know, there's three boys that live across the street. There's four boys that live down the street. If something happens to them, how do you face their parents knowing you could have done something to stop that? So I sent him to bed that night again. 
kind of keeping guard over him and watching over him. He gets up the next morning, he said, I'm not doing this for me, and I'm not doing it for you, but I'm doing it for them across the street and the boys down the street. So I'm like, I don't care why we're doing this, but we just need to do it. I said, God put it in our laps for a reason because he knew he would take care of it. Right. So then my fight became with the state's attorney's office. Mm -hmm. They wanted us to just go away. They didn't want to prosecute. It's too much of a pain for them to do this. And then, you know, researching the stuff over the last few years, what I have with the sex trafficking and things, you often, now I often wonder if something or someone on the inside was involved, right? right. Because they wanted it to just go away. The detective at the time asked to subpoena the teacher's phone, and they denied the subpoena. So this all is going through. Then they get my son's phone. They have it for four months, and they can't produce any of the messages. So then one of my friends, her husband was a Secret Service agent at the time, and he hooked me up with another Secret Service agent who was on like a pedophile task force. And so he told me straight up, he said, they want you to go away. He's like, you have to keep in their face, let them know you're an educated woman, you're not going anywhere, and you're gonna fight for your son no matter what. Gave me two cards, he's like, you keep one for yourself, you give the other one to them and tell them if they don't have the messages off the phone in seven days, you're turning it over to the feds and I'll have them off of there in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Three days later, we had the messages. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. meeting, yes. Big break for it. Yes. Now I'm meeting with two assistant state's attorneys in a huge conference room, my husband and I. And they said, well, we really don't have enough to go on. There's gaps in the transcripts. We just don't know that we'll be able to do this. If there's another kid that this could have happened to possibly or somebody could corroborate the story. And I said, well, can I look at the text messages? Now, up until this point, I had been pretty calm, even killed throughout the whole thing. Like, we're a good year into this at this point. And so I said, well, can I see the messages? And they both look at each other like, I don't know if this is a good idea, right? And I said, well, if you're not doing anything with it, it's my property, right? So I'd really like to look at it. So they slide them over very slowly. And I start reading through them. And while there's gaps in the transcripts, everything is in there that I told you about. The money, the sex video, everything. And I'm reading through it, and tears just start dripping from my face. Like, it's just uncontrollable. And I slide it back to them very slowly, and I was not very Christian in what I said. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And I was yelling. Like, I was blowing my stack. And they were totally taken aback, like, whoa, we haven't seen this side. And my husband's kicking me under the table, trying to get me to calm down. you kick me one more time I'm kicking you out that door I'm like this is my son and I looked at the younger guy I'm like you have young kids I'm like you're okay with this guy teaching your kids and the older guy I'm like so and you have grandkids like this is okay with you I'm like what do they have what does he have to do sodomize my child before you're actually gonna do something so one victim isn't enough and then I wanted to meet with the state the actual state's attorney which they weren't letting me meet with him and I said well you know what I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take everything then I want the phone I want all of the information and I'm gonna take it to the next level I was going to take it to the Illinois state's attorney. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he called me back, and he said he'd meet with me. And it, he said that he had no idea what was going on with my case. I'm like, we're a year into this case. You have no oh idea what's God. going on with my case. I'm like, how many other cases do you not know what's going on? Yeah. I said, I know of three for sure that you haven't given subpoenas for that, that the police are waiting on. So the following day, my detective calls me back. He's like, what did you say to him? I'm like, so I told him. He said, we got four subpoenas that we've been waiting on. I'm like, well, I'm glad I could help you with your cases because I'm getting nowhere with mine, right? So then he, this guy was actually placed in that position and was a Democrat. 
And so a year and a half into the case, we elect in a Republican state's attorney. That's when things really started to change. Our detective went to him and said, there's two cases you need to work on, and this is one of them. He thought we'd have to take a plea deal at this point because we were so far into the case, and there were so many things that just went awry, you know. Well, the, the guy was going to take a plea deal. He ends up stating that he wants to take it to trial. The judge was not happy with him at this point because he was going to take the plea deal. And this meant that we were going to have to bring my son back from college for the trial, which we could have done over the summer. And he was going to school in New Jersey at the time. So we had to bring him back for trial. And they, the defense put me down as a witness for them to keep me out of the courtroom. So they were playing every game they could. Yeah. And I asked the state's attorney, I'm like, why is the judge allowing this? And he said, because he's trying to give them no recourse for appeal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So, but what that did, because my son, once he actually testified, he had to come back into the same room that I was in, could not be in the courtroom. So we got, you know, one-on-one -on -one uninterrupted time with a 19-year-old with no phone, no TV, no nothing. We played cards, we played games. So I told him, I said, you thank them for putting me on their list because now I just got to spend time with my son, you know. So it was actually a blessing that way. So what ended up happening is he was only a few months, actually, before our case went to trial. Grooming was an actual charge at that point. It had never even been a charge up until that point. So God's hand was all over this because if this had gone through initially, that grooming charge would even have been an option, right? So looking back now, that's why this all happened the way that it did. And so the timing of God's always better than us, right? Exactly, exactly. So they get this grooming charge. So we have a grooming conviction, and he also was convicted of solicitation of a minor. So we have the only grooming conviction in the United States, even to this point, as far as I know, from a sex trafficking investigator that I met in Nashville at the last reawaken tour. So her name is Amy Coelho, and she was telling me about a bunch of cases that she was working on with her team. And she was a lead investigator on one that was called the La Luz de Mundo case out of California. They busted like 123 different sex trafficking cells between Mexico and California. And then one of their clients was actually a gymnast with the Larry Nasser case. And she had several other cases she was telling me about. So I'm like, well, I'm going to tell her about my measly little case, right? So I start telling her about my case, and she stops me mid-sentence and grabs my arm, and she said, I cannot believe I am meeting you. I know. And she said, are, she's like, are you from Illinois? And I said, yes. She goes, what year was that? I said, 2013, 2014, when the conviction finally came through. She goes, we were watching your case in real time. And she said, we use your case for every sex trafficking case that we bust because we have to prove grooming, and your case sets precedent. And that's the only way that we then can move on to the trafficking. I was a hot mess. So then I tell her really like how horrible the whole thing was and how hard it was that we had to go through all of this. And she said, I'm going to tell you what, she goes, your tenacity and your son's willingness to come forward, you have saved thousands of lives. Yeah. So again, the tears start, right? Like it's just, you can't stop this emotional rush. And it was just so overwhelming. And then I, she said, you know, we're not the only ones using this case. Like it's being used all over the country. And I said later, you know, thinking about it, I'm like, so could they have used this possibly in the Glenn Maxwell Jeffrey Epstein trials? And she goes, I don't know for sure. I'd have to look at the case. She goes, but I don't know what else they would use. She goes, because as far as I know, your case is the only case of a conviction for grooming. 
And I was like, that's unbelievable. After 10 years, it's the only case. So her next goal, Amy's goal and mine, is to get grooming as a charge that no one can plead down from. Right. So we want to do this in every state, and she'd like to call it Andrew's Law. Andrew's Law. Yeah. That is Andrew's so awesome. Law. Yes. And so, and so uh, what can be, do people do to help? So what they need to do, first of all, fight for your kids. If you feel something in your gut is wrong and off, it probably is. And don't take no for an answer. That was the one thing that Amy said. She goes, Michelle, you didn't take no for an answer. They tell you, no, you go to the next step. Then you went to the next step. You went to the Secret Service. Like You did all of this stuff, and they had no choice then than to take your case. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing, too, is just make sure you fight. And one of the statistics that she told me is that 79% of the kids who actually their parents fight for them become productive members of society. And she's said if they don't fight for them those are the kids that end up with having issues and getting into drugs and drinking and all those sorts of things um, so that's probably one of the biggest things that people need to do is just fight for your kids the other thing is just making this aware like if you could reach out and let me know of a state rep or a senator that could help support this bill I have somebody in Illinois right now we have a representative in Illinois who's gonna work with me on this and we're gonna meet with him in a couple of weeks so I'm hoping that we can do this in Illinois and then possibly to Texas where Amy is from and then I'm hoping in Iowa because because I have a rep there that I can reach out to as well. But if people can reach out to me at PatriotsUnite76 at ProtonMail.com and let me know if there's any state reps out there that would be willing to take this on that we can work with and partner with and make this a law because if we can stop them at the grooming, then they can't go on to traffic these kids. So say that email again. Sure. It's PatriotsUnite76 at ProtonMail.com. Patriots is an S at the end. Patriots. Correct. Okay. Patriots Unite, Unite 76 at ProtonMail.com. Ah, okay. Yes. That is awesome. Yeah. That's what I want to make the kids outside. I saw, heard this story for the first time last night, and it was just like, wow. Um, Andrew's Law. Can you imagine that? Um, where the, they can't plead down from the grooming, and it can be the first step in putting some of these traffickers away. It was the biggest thing I got out of Is that right? That's right. Yes. Uh, Amy was telling me about a case where they had a 16-year-old girl, and the guy was charged with grooming pled down, got out, took that girl, trafficked her, and they haven't seen her in a year and a half. So if that guy had been locked up, they could have gone and saved the girl and gotten her to safety. So That's why we need them to have a law in each state that they can't plead down. That's right. right. That's right. So if we can get people behind that, that would be the first step in stopping a lot of this from happening. Awesome. So we got a lot of Christian patriots that listen to this channel. So what can they pray specifically for Michelle about? So a hedge of protection, of course, around all of this um, and making sure that we're safe, that Andrew is still continually safe through this and that mentally he is actually in a good place still. He's going to be 29 next month. So it's been a long time you know, since this happened. He's finally at a point where he actually is able to face some of this and actually reach out to others for help. So in that aspect, too, just you know, praying that he can make something good of this and using the, that as a springboard for something good and not drowning in all of that and not letting that teacher win, you know? Amen. Yes. So I think that's the biggest so thing. I, I think we missed the part about he did go to jail for a little bit. He did. He went and to he, jail, I think it was 60 days, so which you only did like 30 days, right? Because you did day for day good behavior. He had to register as a sex offender for 10 years, and this is the 10th year, but he can no longer teach. So his teaching license has been stripped, so he can't teach, which was my main goal is trying to get him away from that, that 
feeding ground, I guess, for him. Yeah, you, know? you probably kept him out of taking a lot of people to sex trafficking, probably. I, I hope so. And that's the other thing, too, is like Amy said, she goes, Michelle, he wasn't going to keep him for himself. He was going to traffic him. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks, yeah. you know. And I remember telling Andrew at the time at 16, I said, our case is going to set precedent because it's the first time ever. But I was thinking other grooming cases, never thinking trafficking, yeah. right? Like that just takes it to a whole new level. And just to know that, you know, God is using all of this for good, what the devil meant for evil, and God is just taking it and running with it. And that's the other thing to pray for is that we get representatives in all of these states that can get behind this law because how can you not get bipartisan support for something like this, you know? No question. No question. Well, let me pray right. for you. Do you mind? No, absolutely. All right. Heavenly Father, thank just you. thank you so much for Michelle Peterson and uh, Andrew for coming forward. Thank you for their tenacity and that really boldness of getting through this system that's designed to protect the pedophiles. Lord, we pray that system breaks down by the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, yes. and we ask right now um, for protection that she asked for around her and Andrew, their friends and family, extended family, um, any future people that are around this, that, that, that comes around this, and we pray for huge blessings around the moving forward of the Andrew Law. What was it going to be called? The yep, Andrew's Law. Andrew's Law. Lord, we, we, we thank you for everything that's going for for through with the timing of that, with the new grooming that came through. We know it was in your timing, Lord. So you have a plan for this. Do you amplify Michelle's voice like never before? Amplify everything that she's trying to do in Chicago. Allow that law to get past Andrew's Law where there's no plead down from the grooming, Lord. Not in Chicago, not in Texas, not in Iowa, and throughout the whole nation, Lord. May this um, protection of the pedophiles just be eliminated as you remove people from office that are protecting them versus yes. holding them accountable, Lord. Yeah, um, we, we call for sex trafficking and that all the evil stuff you're doing with children to come down by the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And we plead the blood of Jesus over this situation as well. Lord, that anything to do with human trafficking or labor trafficking or adrenochrome or even the, the sacrifices or even even organ harvesting, Lord. We call that down by your name. We yes. have removed those spirits and bind those spirits that are doing those, the rulers, authorities, and powers of this nation. We remove them by the name of Jesus. Yes. And Lord, thank you for Michelle. Just allow her refreshing spirit to come across her. Allow her to be, be fresh for this battle as she goes forward. And allow her to, to feel the joy of the Lord as you use her. And same with Andrew. Just bless his life. Allow him to, to, to use, I know he's already um, teaching kids and he, and, he, and, he, and he's keeping them away from these type of people. And Lord, just use him um, for exactly what you have him planned. As they submit, to, uh, we all submit to you, Lord. We love you and we say these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Signing Thanks. off here from Miami. Wow. <sighs>